Welcome to the Future of Agriculture podcast, the show that explores the people, companies, and ideas that are shaping the future of agribusiness. Innovation, resourcefulness, and collaboration are essential for feeding a growing population, and we believe the agriculture industry is up for the challenge. Please welcome your host, Tim Hammerich. How's it going? Thank you so much for downloading this episode of the Future of Agriculture podcast. My name is Tim Hammerich. I'm an agribusiness recruiter, and it's my pleasure to bring you these stories every week of the people, companies, and ideas shaping the future of agriculture. This show is a proud part of the Farm and Rural Ag Network. So if you like ag podcasts like this one and blogs and vlogs and all that good stuff, head over to farmruralag.com and check that out. Here we are in the midst of our series called Accelerating Ag Tech, where we are looking at exciting new ag tech startups and the accelerator programs that have helped make them successful. Got a great one for you today. I think this story is really interesting from multiple perspectives. Number one, we're talking autonomous tractors and we're talking uh, swarm enabled autonomous tractors and exactly what that means. Uh, number two, this is someone who did not come from a conventional background. It's like, oh yeah, of course that person's going to start a tractor company. <laughs> He's got a background in finance and a background in law and decided that he wanted to start this company. Number three, uh, he's very early in the process. The The company's been around about a year, and he's already been affiliated with two programs. Uh, one, the Iowa Agritech Accelerator, which you'll hear more from on a future follow-up Friday, and Ag Launch, which you heard from Pete Nelson just last week, uh, talking about their program of kind of getting new technology in the hands of farmers. So we have on the show today, Zach James. And Zach is the founder and president of Rabbit Tractors. Rabbit Tractors, as I said, uh, designs and builds autonomous, swarm-enabled, compact, and multi-purposed farm equipment with a focus on core areas uh, unique to agricultural environments. Meaning, um, instead of the mentality of like, hey, let's just get bigger equipment and we can knock out a field really quickly and move on to the next field, it's a totally different mindset, which is let's get smaller equipment and we can do multiple fields at once because we can have uh, multiple versions of that same equipment in various areas. So really enjoyed this conversation with Zach. I think you will too. I just love the concept of of uh, how we might look at ag equipment differently as a result of some of this uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence and automation that's going on. And I just think it's an exciting story from someone um, fairly new, at least f from a career perspective to the industry of agriculture and how he is looking at solving these problems. Enjoy this episode with Zach James, the founder and president of Rabbit Tractors. Great to have on the show, Zach James, the founder and president of Rabbit Tractor. Zach, thank you for being on the show. Tim, thanks for having me. All right. So you, you've got us all intrigued with the name Rabbit Tractors. Can you just maybe start by giving us a high level overview of, of what your company is all about? Yeah. So uh, basically, our take is that autonomy or labor savings isn't enough for farmers to adopt autonomy. Sure, it's really hard to find that guy. But once you find a good guy and get him out there, it's not, he's not that expensive a person. The, the average uh, farm operator makes $13.50 an hour, and he's not working full time. So it's not a huge amount of money there. And so when we look at that economic benefit to try and justify adopting this new technology, it's just not there with labor alone. So we take a, we take a different look at it. We think that what autonomy is going to do is going to let us 
break this, this paradox of one farmer driving one tractor at a time. And when we break that, when, when one farmer can basically drive multiple units at a time, it, it really changes the entire game. It, we really need to rethink the entire way that a farm tractor structured and, and really do we even call it a tractor anymore or, and how does it operate and how do we manage, um, how do we manage fields? So that's sort of the, um, the highest level background with the rabbit. It's the idea that instead of running one huge piece of equipment at a time, we can run anywhere from five to 10 smaller units and have a lot more flexibility in how we deploy them. And because they do a lot less damage, they weigh a lot less, they're a lot smaller, a lot, lot smaller wheelbase, we can be a lot more proactive in how we manage fields. And so do you make the units themselves, the actual tractor? Yeah, so we designed a small uh, tractor. It's about the size of, it's a, it's a little smaller than a golf cart. The idea being that you can get two right next to each other on a trailer and, and then put a bunch of them in a row, or you could even just put it right in the back of your truck and pull it. Um, and that's really because right when you get the driver out of the tractor, well, then we can take the cab out of there. We can take that air conditioning unit out of there and that air ride suspension. And the cost of the tractor drops significantly enough that it, it more than defrays the cost of the autonomy being put into it. Hmm. How'd you get into this? I mean, where, where did you first kind of pick up on the problem that you're solving and, and, and what inspired you to kind of commit your career to this? Because, well, actually, even before we go into that, tell us about your background, because I, I think you have an unconventional background for someone starting a tractor company. Yeah. Um, unconventional would be a, a good way to put it. I was, I did I had a finance degree from Indiana university. Then I went straight through to law school at the university of Michigan, where I was based, I was focusing in corporate law mainly fund formation. So basically I wanted to be the, the lawyer who was forming hedge funds and forming venture capital funds. Um, within that, uh, I always sort of as a hobby was looking at robotics and technology. And I, I wanted to be up to date and at least uh, conversant in the, in the technology and the cutting edge te technology when I actually, actually, when I actually started practicing law. So in doing that, uh, I was looking at autonomous vehicles. University of Michigan has a uh, huge pilot program with on-road autonomous vehicles. So I was somewhat involved in that space with some of the classes I was taking to my professors. And looking at this technology coming out, is it was, you know, it, it works very good at 70 miles an hour. It's it's basically as good as we are at driving at 70 miles an hour now. And it, it just, it, it made sense. Like, okay, why don't you use this on a tractor, right? It, if it works at 70 miles an hour, it should work very well at two or three miles an hour. Why is no one doing that? So I started digging into a little more and just looking at the, in doing so, I was looking at just the entire farming ecosystem, looking at a farm balance sheet. And with my finance background, I kind of, I keyed on this idea that we're spending a million and a half dollars at least on tractors and we're only using them a few weeks out of the year. And it just, it just doesn't make sense from a business model. So I'm uh this is purely from a business perspective, you look at it and say, how do you get more turns out of your equipment? How do you make that factory run more efficiently? And then from there, the idea just kind of, it, it rolled into itself. I took part in the, I, at this point, it was still a, a hobby for the most part. I jumped in the, or I applied to the Iowa AgriTech Accelerator, got into that, and then it took off from there to what it is now. So uh, help us make the connection between the problem you solve and then your solution. Um, how does having 
more units that are that are smaller help a farmer get more out of their equipment? Yeah, so the average piece of farmland in the United States is 52 acres. So what we're doing is we're going to a field with this huge tractor, you know, capable of say planting 500, 800 acres a day or spraying however many acres a day. We're running on that 50 acres for 15, 20 minutes. And then we're driving 10 minutes to the next location. And it, it's just a, it's a, right, that doesn't make sense. We're putting expensive road miles on tractors instead of utilizing them in the field as much as possible. So firstly, when you have multiple smaller units, you eliminate a lot of that, those road miles and that road time. While one vehicle is out in one field working, you can take one to another field and have that one out working and another one to another field and another and another. And they're taking a lot longer in each field, but th that's good. You want that time. You want to spend all the time you can in the field. The other way is that when the tractor gets smaller, the components and the implements it uses also get smaller. So right now we have a, a sprayer, a tractor, and a harvester. That's because the three-point hitch weighs a couple hundred pounds, and it's very hard to get on and get off. That 1,200-gallon tank weighs a couple hundred pounds, and that 120-foot boom weighs thousands of pounds. Hmm. Each machine has to be designed for that task and that task only because they're so massive. But when you make the tractor a tenth of the scale, what well, was a couple hundred pounds is now a couple, uh, a couple pounds. So with a 50-gallon tank and a 16-foot boom, it's very easy to take that off and then put on a planting implement and use that same power platform for planting. So the engine, the power platform is about 30 to 40% the cost of a tractor or a sprayer. We have designed a, if you want to call it a tractor, a tractor that can do both those activities, saving you that 30 to 40%. Hmm. So to, to make sure I'm understanding the concept here. So right now, uh, a farmer would have this massive piece of equipment and massive implements because he wants to knock out this field as quick as he possibly can so he can get on to the next one. But with you, uh, you would you would have smaller equipment that wouldn't get the one field done as quickly, but you would be working on maybe five fields at once. Exactly. You're just as productive, but the you're you're slower in every field, but you're just as productive because you're working more fields at once. Okay. So, and I don't know if five's the number. I'm just using that to kind of get a grip on the concept here. But let's say five is the number. If you're having to buy five tractors and five sets of implements instead of one big tractor and one big set of implements, that would mean that each individual tractor would have to be one fifth of the cost or less. Am I am I thinking about that right? Yeah. So our scale is actually one to ten, but you're right there. Um, our units are going to be about ten to fifteen thousand dollars for the base units, and then the implements themselves or anywhere from 500 to 5,000, just depending on how much technology you're actually putting onto it. Cool, and, and, and get into the autonomous part for a second, because we actually haven't talked about autonomous farm equipment uh, on this show at all, even though I know it's, it's not a new concept. Um, how does that part work? What does that look like from a user interface standpoint? Is a, is a farmer on an iPad controlling all 10 at once, or how does that work? So, um, controlling probably isn't the best word. He's monitoring them for the most part. He can't take over uh, manual remote control and move them around a tree or a ditch if he gets stuck or something. But for the most part, they're doing their own thing. What the farmer has is he has an app that he can, he can open on his, his tablet, his uh, cell phone, whatever. And 
he gets a way out. He can either zoom in on specific tractors and see where that one's at, or he's got a, a top level view where he can see all of his tractors deployed. Um, from that, you know, he's getting basic telemetry data back, and, you know, his speed, heading, percentage of work complete, as well as where he needs to be next. So if one vehicle is almost done, it's going to be done in 10 minutes, and another one's going to be done in 20 minutes, the app's telling him, okay, you need to go to this one, move it first, and then this next one. And and can rabbit tractors do all of the same uh, processes that a farmer's currently doing, or will they still need other equipment? So um, it's a 15-horsepower unit, so you really tillage is not much of an option. You can pull a one-row planter, but anything really above that, and you're just turning over too much dirt to be effect, for it to be effective. So there's still a place for large tractors. Um, the nice thing is with a smaller unit like this, you need to do less tillage, but there's still a place for it. What the rabbit is designed to do right at the beginning is replanting. So the idea being that when you have washout areas or areas where not spe specific spots where there's non-germination, this goes in, identifies that, and plants a seed right in that spot. It does spraying. We're looking to license in a seed and spray spraying uh, technology. But it is right now, it just does basic spraying. And then we're also looking at soil sampling, too. Wow. Uh, you said something interesting there. You said with, with this technology, uh, you don't need to, um, to uh, do as much tillage. Why is that? Well, because the tractor just weighs a, a lot less. This is a 200-pound unit dry, fully loaded. We're looking at under 1,000 pounds. So it's really doing very minimal, if any, damage to the soil. So there's no reason to go in and till that back up to break up that compaction done by the larger units. I see. So I would think for you, you know, kind of the, the low-hanging fruit for you would be these be no-till farmers, right? I mean, they're not using equipment for tillage anyway. Uh, could Theoretically, with them, could you replace 100% of their equipment needs with rabbit tractors? Um, I, I would... Uh, hesitate to say 100%. The big question now is planting. Really, that's just the way planters are designed now. You've got to turn that dirt and you need the horsepower to do that. We are thinking of a way to where we don't need to turn dirt to plant anymore. It kind of rolls out of the idea that because you can run 24-7 and you're running multiple units, you don't need to plant as fast. And actually in planting, you can get on the soil a lot earlier. You can get on the soil in wetter conditions. So it opens up a planting window. So we're looking at a slower planting method that doesn't turn the dirt. And at that point, we would replace pretty much all the equipment. One area we're not really looking is harvesting right now. Um, right. It's just too complex of something to tackle. Yeah. Yeah, that would be tough to turn to turn a, a piece of equipment less than 1,000 pounds into a combine. <laughs> exactly. Sure. But the interesting thing is it's, um, it's called a combine because it's combining all those processes. Right. You know, when you have – there is a – an idea that you could break down, no longer call it a combine, break it down to all the separate, all the separate processes and have multiple machines doing the task. I, I don't know why. I just love the idea of multiple machines. And I, I think you, you, uh, in one description I saw of rabbit tractors, it, it called them like swarm enabled, which, which I guess that would mean they're kind of communicating with each other. Do you foresee this being used within the same field where, where one unit is actually interacting somehow with another unit? Yeah. So, um, if you have large fields, you can deploy them within a field. Uh, and the way that works is they, at the beginning, they have a general idea of how large the field is and how long it's going to take to work it. And then they divide the field between them and each have their own mission they go off and do. 
And then as certain things come up, they need to refuel or, or not refuel, change the batteries, or they need a tender or something like that. That workload's constantly getting rebalanced between them. Hmm. Um, then there's also the idea of when you need more horsepower, what we can actually do is daisy chain them together. So instead of a 15 horsepower unit, you can get three of them running uh, in tandem or side by side and have a 45 horsepower unit. Wow. Okay, this is all cool. What what stage of the business uh, are you in now? I mean, you have you have a, a prototype, or are you actually rolling these out for commercial production? Kind of tell, give us kind of an update on the status of Rabbit Tractors. Yeah, so the company's uh, a little over a year old now. We spent the first uh, bit of it designing the mechanical form, getting that all nailed down, and now we're working on the autonomous side. So we have our first prototype out and running. Um, yeah, and the, the software, the actual, the autonomous software is pretty far along. Uh, right now, we're just using RTK GPS for guidance, but we're working on a technique to get away from the need for RTK, so you can actually just drop it off on the field, let it go, no mission planning, no need to calibrate a base station or anything like that. Um, in 2019, we're going to do a small uh, pilot program with a few partners where we're going to basically take the tractors out to their location for a day, do a task for them and then get their feedback on how they'd interact with it. What's that, what that's gonna do is inform our user interface design. We're in, so we'll work on that through the 2019, the user interface design. Then 2020 is when we'll actually roll out commercially. We plan on doing season, season and month long leases. Okay, so you actually, you, you, you're gonna start off your model as leasing the equipment. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense to put the liability of ownership out in the field until we really get the tractors out running for a few years and know where they break down and know exactly what the cost of maintaining them are going to be. Okay. Very cool. Um, now with, with your accelerator experience, I, this just kind of blows my mind. The business is only a year old. This seems like a really, really, you know, technical business. It is a really, really technical business to be in. Uh, with you being so early in the process, what do you think it was that, um, um, made you so attractive to the Iowa Agritech Accelerator? Uh, that's a question I wish I could answer. Um, <laughs> no, I think it was the idea that, well, you know, John Deere is an investor in the Iowa Accelerator. And when I first started sitting down with those guys and talking to them, they all kind of agreed. Yeah, you know, small tractors are the way it's going to be. These points you're making, everyone kind of agrees that we understand that. Um, as far as the, the, the technical side of it, yeah, there are a lot of pieces, but really it's just an integration task. Like I said, the on-road autonomous vehicles, that technology and their beta technology, the stuff they kind of released open source and put online for universities and hobbyists to screw around with is readily available and it works very well for, for our task in a, you know, in a field at a slow speeds where there really are, shouldn't be that many obstacles. So I think what was attracted to them was that I wasn't going to design everything from the ground up. I knew I could grab the pieces I need, put them in, and then really just focus on those core areas where farming is different or driving a, a tractor autonomously in a farm is different than doing it on the road. Did you ever just think like, what am I doing? <laughs> I'm, I'm a, I got a finance degree and a law degree and I'm, and, uh, you know, taking on some of the biggest companies in the industry in a way, I mean, the equipment industry is obviously very consolidated and there's, there's some mega players. Do you ever think like, you know, what makes me think I can pull this off? Yeah. It's one of those things that I kind of wrestle with pretty constantly, but, um, 
you know, I don't think it's, it's a competitive thing. The, there are a lot of things that need to, a lot of technologies that need to be developed before wide scale autonomous tractors are rolled out. So it's, it's really going to be a collaborative effort of a, a, a bunch of different players on the implement design side, on the hardware design side, and on the software design side. So I look at it as if I can save one of these players a few months in development with the work I'm doing now, that will be successful. Hmm. Very cool. Well, tell us what the company looked like when you first applied for the Iowa Agritech Accelerator and, uh, and kind of what it looked like um, as a result of, of that program. Yeah, so w- when I first applied, I had a garden cart powered by a five horsepower Harbor Freight engine and a big stepper motor for steering. And then I, so I had that and a pitch deck of my idea. So really just nascent, pretty much not much of anything besides what I, what I built in my garage. Going through the accelerator, it first helped me realize that I needed to think big and I needed to think fast. This is a space that's it's ag tech in general and autonomous vehicles specifically is moving extremely quickly. And what I had heard was, okay, if, if in five years, this is the way it's going to be. You, you, you find the right spot. You have to calibrate then, or you, you have to calibrate, you have to accelerate. Hmm. And uh, capitalize on the timing. The other thing the accelerator did was it, it, it really, it gave me sort of how you touched it, gave me the confidence to say, you know, I'm going to give up a lucrative corporate law job and the security that comes with that. And I'm going to try something completely different because I know that these experts in the field think that it's a good idea. It, it's, it's more than just a crazy idea in my head. Now it's something that other people agree with. Um, so that, that confidence was a big part in it too. The, what the accelerator helped to do to actually change the business was it, it, it took me from that high level strategic idea of, you know, autonomous, small autonomous vehicles rolling out. And we made a plan with the entrepreneurs and residents, broke it down into day by day and week by week tasks that needed to be accomplished to get to that big angle. So me, like uh, I imagine a lot of entrepreneurs are, are younger, just not a lot of operational experience. And while I can think visionary about the task or about the, the goal I want to do, the, what the accelerator helped me do was figure out those specific tasks I needed to get there. Right. Yeah, I would think in a situation like this where you, you, you really, your timing does seem to be right on, uh, speed is, is extremely important, especially for a business like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, um, you know, I think it'll be Within the next five to 10 years, these autonomous tractors are going to start rolling out. And it's going to be sort of a night and day thing. When we, as soon as we see one or two guys working it successfully in our area and the benefits they're getting, it's going to be adopt or kind of die out. Right. Yeah, we, we talked about, you know, you being at Michigan and kind of exploring autonomous vehicles and then thinking about autonomous tractors, but we didn't talk about, did you have an ag background? You grew up on a farm or uh, where did your knowledge of agriculture come from? So I'm from Northwest Indiana, basically right where uh, the Chicago suburbs turn into Indiana cornfields. So not an actual ag background, but grew up in a, in a rural area. I did 4-H as a kid, but that was really my only exposure. Very cool. And, uh, and so as you were exploring this problem of, of, you know, uh, farmers needing to, to 
pay up for this massive equipment and then uh, using a lot of time to kind of transport from one field to another field. Um, what sort of kind of customer research or customer validation did you go through? Or did that happen mostly as a result of the accelerator? That happened. So that was a big benefit of the accelerator too, was that just not coming from an ag background, I didn't have that much connection. I didn't have, you know, I don't have uncles that I can call and say, Hey, tell me about this idea or friends like that or anything like that. And the accelerator, basically you know, the first week you sit down and you have a hundred or 150 people either in ag as a farmer or as a supporter of farmers or has family in ag come through and tell you what they think about your idea. So they really help with customer discovery. Um, before that, it had just been basically economics and business model math in my head where I, I said, okay, if this is what the business model looked like before, this is what it looks like afterwards. Obviously, we want to move to that after state. But I think customer discovery was a, a big piece I was lacking before the accelerator and a big thing they brought on. And I know uh, you are also affiliated with Ag Launch, and, and people who listen to this show heard recently we talked to Pete Nelson of Ag Launch. Um, did that did did your involvement in Ag Launch come after the Iowa Agritech Accelerator, or before around the same time, or how did that come about? So some of the mentors in the Iowa Agritech Accelerator are also mentors in the Ag Launch Accelerator. So actually, in that first few weeks of the Iowa program. I got some exposure to the uh, Ag Launch program, had some phone calls with Pete, started chatting about the idea. Uh, he was really interested in it. And then right after I got done with that, I went home for about a month, worked on the product for a bit, and then went to Memphis and started the Ag Launch Accelerator. Okay. And what, what has been kind of a, a key takeaway from your involvement there? Um, I think the, the hardest part of rolling out a technology like this is getting the adoption of a farmer and getting reaching out and actually contacting those farmers. The, the nature of farming is that we sit in a tractor alone without any real exposure to the outside world most of the time. And reaching out to a person like that and, and getting a connection with a person like that's very difficult. And that's what AgLaunch really helps with. They have that, that farmer network set out, a lot of people willing to try out new technologies and Pete's got their ear, and they, and they trust Pete when they bring them new when he brings them new ideas. So the, the the big thing they add is that I can focus on product for a while, and they'll help me get it out and test it when that time comes. Excellent. And as you've bounced this idea off of farmers, uh, what gets them most excited? Which aspect of it? Interestingly to me, it's the soil compaction aspect of it. That was one of those things when I was looking at it from just a business perspective, I didn't really know about, I didn't really think about. But as I started talking to people, they said, oh, you know what? And it weighs a lot less. That's going to be a big deal too. And when I started doing research on that and, and talking to agronomists about that, it's actually a huge uh, value driver. Hmm. Absolutely. And what do you think will be the biggest challenge to customer adoption in 2020 when you're starting to kind of roll this out? Um. I think there's a, a fear of technology, not even, the, not even just the idea of letting a tractor roam autonomously. We do a bit for that having a smaller tractor, so it does a lot less damage if it goes crazy. But a farmer likes to know that he can fix something that breaks down. And when most of the system is on a computer chip, he doesn't have that um, the same confidence in his ability sometimes. 
And do you have a focus as far as, is your focus Midwestern row crops or do you think there's also room here for, for specialty crops as well or have you considered that yet? So we focus on row crops, uh, specifically the soybean market right at the beginning. Just with our lower ground clearance, we can only go about 50 inches off the ground before we really risk tipping over with our lower ground clearance. Um, obviously, soybeans are a good market for us to go into. We also like the row crop space in general because there's so many uh, Silicon Valley companies who all they see are specialty crops. So they focus on specialty crops. And I think there's a lack of automation in this area. Excellent. Well, well, paint the picture for us. In, in a decade from now, if, if this is widely used, people are using rabbit tractors. Um, what's that look like? What looks different? Um, you know, what's kind of the change you hope to see in the world as a result of all this work you're doing? So I think the, the role of the farmer is going to move from operator to more of a managerial role. So he's going to wake up in the morning, get a report from either the drone that flew over, the satellite flew over, that somewhere in this field, there's something that needs to be taken care of. We sent the box out at 6 a.m. because that's when the weather and the wind was perfect to go out and actually spray. And you have recorded proof of that. So if anything does happen, you know that you did it correctly and it's not your fault. Um, you know, we ran out of chemical. The, the machine are automatically wet and did it. Or the machine are automatically wet and ordered more chemical from the supplier, it's on the way to the field. And your only job is to make sure that all works correctly and uh, support that process. Really cool. Well, which aspect, I mean, this is so, I'm, I'm just soaking this up because it's so interesting to me. I don't, I didn't know much about this at all before, before I uh, got a chance to talk to you. What's something that we didn't get a chance to talk to you about that you think is an important thing to know about rabbit tractors? Um, we don't want to be in the implement making space and the component making space. I've sort of what I've witnessed in the entire autonomous or really the entire ag tech space is that these companies, they either have, they have a, a great component technology, but they don't have a good delivery method for it. And what we, and so they have to tackle two tasks and they have to make their technology and then they have to make a delivery method, whether it be drones or an autonomous vehicle what have you. What, what we want to be is just that delivery method half of that. Um, so instead of actually going out and writing the algorithms and doing the computer vision work for the sea and spray technology, we just want to be a small platform that another company can put their technology on. And it works a lot better, one, because it's autonomous, but two, because it's smaller, and that's going to let it be a lot more precise in the work it does. And are you already partnering with people on that? Um, we're talking with people, nothing formal, but yeah, we're trying to. Okay. So you would invite somebody listening that wants to be in the implement space and, uh, maybe the kind of the, the sea and spray technology space to, to collaborate with you. Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, farmers are, are pretty innovative in what they've done. And I, I know a lot of guys who say, I've got this great idea for this implement but all I really want to do is make the implement. I don't want to do the rest. Well, with the Reddit platform, it's once we get it out and it's adopted by farmers, it's going to be easy to then have them bring on new implements and try out new technologies. Kind of lowering that adoption curve for people interested in getting into the space. 
Absolutely. Zach, I, I love it. I, I want to encourage you because I think what you're doing is awesome. And I love stories of, of people seeing a problem and taking it upon themselves to solve it. So kudos to you for all that you're doing, man. And I really appreciate you being on the show. If somebody's listening and wants to learn more about you or Rabbit Tractors, where should we send them to learn more? Yeah, the website's rabbittractors.com, one word. And then my email is zach at rabbittractors.com. That's Z-A-C-K. Okay, well, I hope people reach out and, and thanks so much for being on the show. Tim, I appreciate it. Big thank you to Zach for being on the show, and, and I want to hear your thoughts. What do you think? Do you think autonomous tractors, especially this idea of smaller equipment that's sort of swarm-enabled, is the future of agriculture? I would love to hear your thoughts either on Twitter, at Tim Hamrich, or head over to SpeakPipe. That's speakpipe.com forward slash future of ag, and leave me a little voicemail about your thoughts or any question I forgot to ask Zach in this interview. Really appreciate those of you who are subscribed to the show. If you're not, I highly encourage you to do so. And for those of you who have taken the 30 seconds to hop on iTunes and leave us a rating and review. It really does help. We, we had one recently from uh, Sarah Mitch. Uh, as, uh, it's M-I-C-H. I hope I'm saying that right, Sarah Mitch. Um, she says, highly recommend, have been listening to the Fantastic Sustainability at Scale series on this podcast. Such a welcome, nuanced approach to a topic that can be so polarizing. I highly recommend to people of all different ag backgrounds and consumers interested in understanding what's going on behind some of the labels. Cool. Sarah, thank you so much for leaving the review. If you haven't yet, I would love for you to do so as well. And you might even hear your review on a future episode of this podcast. Uh, I, I feel like we could just go on and on with this Accelerating Ag Tech series. All these stories are distinctly different, uh, but I also enjoy hearing about the programs that are helping to make these companies successful. So congrats to, to Zach and Rabbit Tractors uh, and Ag Launch and the Iowa Agritech Accelerator. Uh, it's just been a pleasure to highlight some of these stories. And we'll be back next week with another episode on the Future of Agriculture podcast of Accelerating Ag Tech. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Future of Agriculture podcast with Tim Hammerich. Visit futureofag.com, that's futureofagag.com today to get connected into careers in the agriculture industry. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week. Oh, oh.